0: That came to hear us, and then so many guys that were ready to receive Christ. Um, it was just unbelievable because in a place like that, um, you would expect uh, people to be closed off to the gospel, um, but they were just so ready to receive. They were so hungry. So it was it was a blessing.
1: Um, yeah, it was just amazing. And the second night, Kent, or we didn't have. The Brian Johnson, the, the the speaker from the first night didn't come the second night, and so Kent just gave a message, and he like in the in the the prisoners out there they're kind of segregated, you know, you like had the blacks and the whites and the the Native Americans, and and Kent gave a message that said my table at home is. I have black kids, I have native kids, and he said this, we're like my table at home. And it just unified the place that we're all we're all one. And and he then he described that someday there's gonna be a table in heaven as far as the eye can see and we're all gonna have a place at it. And and then we played that the song Come to the Table and that was pretty powerful and right after that at the altar call, more like half the inmates came forward. It was amazing.
2: Yeah, Kent was sharing with me yesterday on the phone that the second night he f- felt a little, he was, there was a little intimidation he was feeling because the main speaker, so to speak, wasn't there. But the anointing of the Lord was there. They knew the prayers of the people of the that were covering them in prayer. And uh, he was saying in total there were 100 people that received Christ. Did you, you guys knew that or didn't you know that? You knew that? So that is harvest time. Mm-hmm. And that is so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd like, Doug, would you just lead us in prayer for those people that receive yeah. Christ and knowledge?
0: God, we just thank you so much for uh, the all the opportunities we get to share Christ, but we just thank you so much specifically for those um, in the North Dakota prison system that received Christ, Lord. <clears throat> Anyone that was touched with the message, even those that didn't come forward, Lord, I know that there were seeds planted, God, and I just pray that you would cultivate those and grow those. And God, I just pray for um, just the spirit of unity with the inmates that received Christ, that they would stand together, um, that they would hold each other up, that they would encourage each other. Um, God, I just thank you for the inmates that were already um, believers that have been um, planting seeds and, and watering seeds and, and just ministering to the other, <clears throat> to the other inmates, um, and I just ask that you would just continue to grow the body of Christ inside of the prisons, um, that, they, <laughs> that there would just be uh, just a wave of people that would be um, just new believers and just experience your presence, Father, in, in the prison, Lord. Um, and the, when they get out, um, they would just be um, strong believers that would be ministers of Christ. In Jesus' name.
2: Amen. 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 Thank you so much for that report. Let's greet each other and children, or did the children already go? Okay, children can go down to your class. Okay, we're going to share just a little bit before we're going to have our brother Herb Roman Schinkel share a word from the word in a moment but uh, first uh, there's a scripture in Ephesians 4:28 says let him who stole steal no longer but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need and then the footnote in my Bible there it says note that the first motive of a believer to earn money is that he may have something to give the occupational enterprise of Christians is not simply to make a living, but to make possible their being instruments of God's service, there being that, to mankind through their work and giving. And um, there are opportunities as we send people forth uh, financially, and today we are making that opportunity available sending forth Herb. Actually, he's going to be going to Zambia on Thursday. And it's like a medical mission. And uh, But each of the people that, well, I should have Herb share a moment about that too, but he'll tell more. But if you'd like to give an offering for Herb and for this mission, you can put it in an envelope and stick it in the box back there. You can make the check out to Ten Strike Community Church, and then we'll put give that to her. Uh, also, next week there's going to be an offering opportunity for Northwoods Pregnancy Center, and it's the same thing there. Should make it to TCC, put it in that envelope, but indicate on there, on the envelope, it's for the pregnancy center. And then, of course, we have ongoing building fund that we're giving to as well. So that's that's an opportunity. Also, there are, as we get closer to the day when we will be going back into the sanctuary, there are some needs for helping with cleaning and there is some painting yet, I believe, and you could talk to Joyce, my wife Joyce, about that, uh, if you believe you could help with that. And um, we're gonna have Gus, also, as we are approaching that time, we have had one more list of items to submit to the insurance company, and uh, we're going to have prayer for that together uh, as a church family. That it'll be covered, and uh, you know, as much as possible. We know, like we said, there's a few things that won't be, but uh, that'll be covered. Well, we're going to have guest lead in prayer. For those financial areas. And then also, I'm gonna have Herb, why don't you share, just give, tell us where you're going, then we're gonna have Gus lead in prayer over you too. So I'm going to
3: Nindola, Zambia. It's a heavy copper mining region. Um, The area has been decimated with HIV in the past. Uh, Approximately one out of 12 households are orphans. And so it's um, kind of a been as an orphan trip but there's a team of about 25 people going seven providers three dentists three pharmacists and then nurses and other people to help and we're going to provide care but every person gets shared the gospel and every person gets prayed with and we should see i'd estimate 600 people a day and we'll be working about nine days so we'll be busy people but thank you
2: Just to close an announcement here, too. If you want a hard copy of announcements, there is one on the shelf there by the AV area. And so you can uh, just pick one of those up. Hallelujah. Let's pray for these things together. Let's stand up as we pray.
4: Hallelujah. I just want to share a couple quick scriptures before I pray. Psalms 102 says, Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for the time to favor her. Yea, the set time has come. And we just believe that the set time for God's favor is here for this church, for our lives. And Psalm twenty-seven thirteen says, and I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And we just believe that we will see the goodness of God in this hour. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, I just want to pray over the tithes and the offerings this morning. And I want to lift up This building. And Lord, we just trust that all bills are paid in full. When I see the cross, I see a sign hanging on the cross, and it says, Paid in full. You know, Jesus paid it all. He gave it all for us. The price was paid in full for all our sins. But I believe that God would prosper his people. His desire is that we walk in prosperity. That we not only have enough to meet our own needs, But we have enough surplus and abundance to give. And it's a faith walk sometimes. And I just want to read Malachi chapter 3. And the Lord would say, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now Herewith saith the Lord, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out you a blessing, that there shall not be enough room to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord says, test me in this. You know, I'm a teacher. and We test the kids. But now the great teacher is saying to us, test me. Can we outgive God? I don't think we can. But it's a faith walk. And we take that step of faith. And there are needs in the church, there are things that insurance will not pay for. And I asked the Lord this morning. I said, Lord, give me a number. And he gave me a number. And if you ask, he might do the same for you. And I remember years ago in Mexico, we were building a church. And the first church had mud walls. And after the walls were built, I had to go back to the States to renew my visa. And when I came back, they had borrowed money to put the roof on. And as they were telling me all of this, In the service one morning, the Lord said, you have the money in your pocket to pay for the roof. It was $350 and change, and I thought, that's exactly the amount of money I have. And the Lord put it in my heart to pay for the roof. When you pay it all, when you step out in faith, then something happens in heaven. Something supernatural happens in heaven. And God opens the windows and pours out a blessing that you cannot receive. Because when you give your all, then God begins to move in supernatural ways. And you begin to see miracles in your own life, and in your family, and in your finances. And your needs are supernaturally met. And so we just pray this morning that the price is paid in full. Say it with me. Paid in full. 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 That the church has no debts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for a supernatural move of the Holy Ghost in this place because we have giving hearts. Oh, hallelujah. And we're not afraid to step out in faith and believe God for a miracle in our midst. Father, we just thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, that as we give in faith, believing, That the windows of heaven will open, and God will pour out a supernatural blessing on our lives that we cannot receive. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, this morning we just left up Herb. And we thank you, Lord, that his needs are met. That he has money to give when he gets to Africa. That he can bless pastors and people there. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we lift up that whole team that's going to Africa. And Father, we just speak supernatural health over them in Jesus' name. Father, we bind, we curse, and we cast down every work of darkness, every witchcraft spirit that would come against them. In Jesus' name, Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you that they are protected, that they walk under the cloud, Father, of your protection. And, Father, we just thank you for that supernatural anointing of your Holy Spirit that is on this team as they go, that hearts are open to receive. Not just medicine, but to receive the spirit of the living God. Father, we thank you for those who go, for those who are called. And we thank you for those who support them as they go. We thank you, Lord, for the prayers of the saints. In the coming week, Father, we just lift them up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
5: Father, we just ask for a special
4: anointing on Herb this morning. Father, that you would anoint his words as he he ministers this morning. Father, that the blessing would be ours in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.
2: Amen. Amen.
3: I'm just going to put a stopwatch on so I don't keep you here all day. Um, you'll thank me later. You know, today I'd like to talk to you about the fourth more, most important thing in a Christian life, at least in my opinion. And you wonder why I want to go to the fourth. Well, I'll cover the first three quick. The first is Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, um, forgiver of your sins. Number two is Repentance. I think that often over, is overlooked, but when Jesus is your Lord and we repent of our sins and we commit to following him, then we have this obedience. And it's this obedience that leads to the third thing, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in your life and empowers you. And when you have that solid foundation, where do you go from there? And that's my point today is the fourth point, and that's just gratitude. That we make gratitude the foundation of every basis of our thought, of the words we talk, and also our action. It's just gratitude coming out of us for everything he has done. And gratitude is really just focusing on all the things that God has given you, rather than looking at the things he hasn't given you. It's seeing that he is just showering us all the time with blessings. And so today I want to talk about the benefits of a gratitude. What a grateful heart and how it changes us, how it protects us, and how it keeps us. So my first point I want to talk about gratitude, and I'm going to talk about this a fair bit, is gratitude. What God has done for us provides, gives us humility in our hearts. And I'm going to talk a lot about humility, but it's so important for what it does. And the verses... Um, Titus 3 5. He saved us not because of works done for us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing and regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And then Ephesians 2 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your doing, it is a gift of God. Those two verses, I put them next to each other on my paper because if we just meditate on them, truly meditate on them, our heart just changes, that we realize it really wasn't us. One of the benefits of humility that I think is so important is it fights pride. Some people have argued, and I agree, that pride really is the start and the foundation of sin. Augustine of Hippo wrote, Pride is the beginning of sin, and what is pride but the craving for undue exaltation, and this is undue exaltation, When the soul abandons him who we ought to cleave to as an end and becomes a kind of end to itself. When we start to leave God and we start to cleave on our own self, what's more important, that's where we run into problems. We can look at Isaiah. It talks about Satan. And we're not going to dwell on this, but he says, "'You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high.'" and i will sit on mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north and i will send to the heights of the cloud and i will make myself like the most high that was satan but you know we aren't quite to that extreme but look at adam and eve when they said when satan told them god knows when you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like god knowing good and evil we are we so far from satan at times where we want to make ourselves our own decision makers. We want to make ourselves our own rulers. That's what happens when we have that pride in our heart. And with pride, the key thing is we try to abandon God as our Lord and ruler, and we set up ourselves as our own Lord and ruler. So, how does gratitude fight pride? We have Jesus Christ as our Savior, and we realized we needed a Savior. That's the whole thing about turning to Jesus is realizing how bad we need him. And without gratitude for the forgiveness of your sins, it's a slippery slope to start thinking you don't need a savior. Romans 3.10, and we, we all know this, none is righteous, no one. If it would not have been for Christ on the cross, we would still be carrying those sins. It's a humble heart filled with gratitude when one looks at their own sins washed away, knowing that there was no other way to come through Christ except what Jesus did. But a key point is a prideful heart does not believe their disobedience will lead to judgment. And that's why humility is so important. As I mentioned above, it's not us, it never has been. One of the first verses I memorized was 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who sees anything different in you? What did you receive? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? In this earthly realm, it's so easy to think that we're capable of things, we're smart enough or we're strong enough or have enough business savvy that we did it all. But the reality, everything we do in this world, it's a gift from God. And it's the same for the spiritual realm. We may think we have done something ourselves or we made the right decisions but it was God leading you to that church. It was your parents leading you to that church or to that service. It was all done by God. When you decided to put Jesus into your heart, it was a movement done by God that has affected you, and it's him we give the praise. It was never about us. And then we remember that, we hold that true, then we're just humble and we're thankful for God. And the last point I want to point about humility is it opens our hearts to forgiveness. When we think of our sins and we know the sins that we've committed against other people or other people have committed to us is nothing compared to what God has forgiven us of, then we just humbly in gratitude for our forgiveness forgive others of their sins. So we talked about humility. The second benefit I think we need to talk about is it produces praise. When we have gratitude in our heart, we cannot help but praise God. These singers today, you could tell there was gratitude in their heart, and they could not do nothing but to praise God. And one of the verses that just struck me when I was preparing for this was Luke 11, 1 and 2. And now Jesus is praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And I was just struck. Holy cow, that we can call him Father. I think, I mean, don't minimize this. That this God that we can call Father, we have Father's Day coming up, but we can call our Heavenly Father, Father. This is a God who said, let there be light, and there was light. This is a God who formed you and created you in the womb and had a plan for your lives even before you were known. As I was thinking about this, I thought about what those disciples were thinking. I mean, these disciples, they grew up where they were hearing about the Moses and the bush of fire in Exodus twenty four seventeen it says, as a devouring top fire on top of a mountain. This was the God the disciples knew. And even Isaiah, a prophet, a holy man, when he saw God, he says, woe is me, I'm lost. And he says, King, the Lord of hosts. And here Jesus is telling these disciples to say, when you pray, the first word out of your mouth is Father. That's remarkable to me. And when we think about that, we can call him Father. That should just open our hearts to praise him. I often think about, did the disciples leave Jesus that day and kind of tap each other on the shoulder and say, what's this about calling this God Father? They wouldn't even utter his name. And now Jesus says, call him Father, and we can pray to him. It's remarkable. And then what about another reason for praise? And these are just two. What about who our Savior is? This is Jesus Christ himself coming down, God coming down. I love the way Psalm 104 describes God. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as a garment, stretching out the heavens as a tent. You lay the beams in the chambers of the water. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides the wings of the wind. I just think of the time when Jesus was going to be born. Did he turn to God and take off that robe of light and set it on the chair and say, I'll be back, but I'm going to go save my people. It's no wonder that the angels are singing to the shepherds proclaiming the Lord has come. This is the God of light who put it all aside and came down for us to take our sins away. And we just praise him. We praise him with gratitude. Even for the times when we're afraid to stand up for Christ, he left it all and came down for us. And I just thank him for that. The other benefit of gratitude, and I think it's important, is it keeps us from complaining. <laughs> um, this winter, you know, we had a roof cave in and we could complain, but we're thankful nobody got hurt. But April 11th, um, Sarah Young, Jesus Calling, I'm sure many of you know the book. I want to read just part of that day. This is the day, April 11th, this, this year. This is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. Begin the day with open hands of faith, ready to receive all that I am pouring out into this brief portion of your life. Be careful not to complain about anything, even the weather, since I am the author of your circumstances. The best way to handle unwanted situations is to thank me for them. This is an act of faith that frees you from resentment and frees me to work my ways into your situation so that good emerges from it. It goes on. This is the day the Lord has made. It was yesterday, it's today, and it's tomorrow. and we rejoice in Him. It's not an option. We do that. The thing about that day, which is kind of special and why I brought it up, is you were getting into springtime, and is there a picture there from the Pioneer? Um, that day was a snowstorm. It was. I remember I had to go to Wake that night, and I was only going 10 miles an hour, and I was sliding through. It had rained, and then it snowed beforehand, and it was just slick as could be. And the next morning, the pioneer had pictures, April 12th, of the snow. Close to a foot of snow came, and it was wet, heavy snow, but we are proclaimed, even in that snow, to proclaim, this is the day the Lord has made. It's a good day. I went to work that day, and so many people were complaining and I remember being out there blowing snow. Thank you, God, my snowblower works. Thank you, God, my truck works. Thank you, God. I mean, it does not make much to me happy. I can when I instead of complaining about the snow, I just thank God my snowblower works. I just thank him, Lord. So and the thing about complaining, it's not just that it changes our heart. There's a great displeasure in God when we complain. We look at Numbers eleven one. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled and the fire of God burned against them and he consumed the outer lying parts of the camp. Complaining irritates God. Complaining caused punishment to the Israelites. We need to keep that in mind that we don't want to complain. We want to praise God. I'm just going to give an example from somebody else's sermon because when I heard it, it touched my life. David Gibbs, Jr., he's the president and the founder of the Christian Law Association. He's been that way about 40 years. And when he's not in the courtroom, he goes and talks in the different Southern Baptist churches. And one day, he was on a Thursday, he went for a visitation. And this lady got wheeled in on a chair, and she was strapped in. And she had no arms or legs. And she was a thalidomide baby. And when I went to pharmacy school, that's one of the first drugs... They tell you how not to get drugs approved. It wasn't tested. They gave to mothers for nausea, and those babies often had stumps for limbs. Well, this Diane didn't have even stumps. She just didn't have anything. And so the pastor's sitting there saying, Do we have a reason to praise God? And it's kind of quiet, and this Diane, who's strapped in the chair without arms or limbs, says, I have a reason. I want to thank God for my good nose. God knew I would need a good nose. And I want to praise and thank him for that. I put it on my prayer list. And a little while later, the pastor turned to David Gibbs and he said, You see, David, Diane, we wheel her out to Walmart or to Lowell's, and we put her Bible in her back. And she'll go to people and ask them, Will you pull my Bible out for me? Will you open it up to this page? And then she'll use her nose to tell people about Jesus. And I have to say, when I look at that, it's like I'm humbled that I cannot be as grateful for everything that God has given me. Even our little nodes we need to be thankful for. The fourth benefit of gratitude is it just opens your heart for generosity. Gus said some great verses. um, But when you believe that God is the supplier of everything, you just are thankful for what he gave you and you know he can supply more. Psalms 50.10, for every beast on the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, they're all, all gods, and you understand he can supply. And we just honor that gratitude we give. And my last point, this might take a little longer, but I, I think it's important. It's personal to me, is that gratitude separates us that we become a witness to Christ. When we have hard times hit us, The world thinks we should just moan and bemoan. In fact, they look at us and say, how can you do this? And that's the time that we can shine and say, well, my Lord, he's in charge. I know he supplies all things. I don't have to understand his purpose, but I know he's in charge. And that's what separates us about from other people. The trials, they're meant to build us up. James says it. Count it, James 1, 2. Count it all joys, my brother, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So often we look at the blessings of God and enjoy them, and we think that's what's making us complete and our blessings. But James is saying, no, it's the trials that you're going to get. They're what's going to make you complete and be blessed. And it's so hard to be grateful at those times. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm saying I'm trying to remember these when the hard times come to be thankful. And, you know, you may say, Herbal, you don't have hard times. Not like mine. I really believe everybody in their life at some point has a hard time. God wants to build us up it may not be in the physical it may even be in the spiritual it could even be in the mind but every one of us have a hard time and that hard time is intended to build us up as I mentioned before we handle our trial how we handle those trials set us apart I look at first Peter 2 9 but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people of its own possession, that you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. That's what the hard times are about, that we can proclaim him. I really think James is talking about counting these joys as counting it all joy, all these trials that we face, that we may not miss anything. And the reality is I've come to understand these trials, at least I believe this, I believe they're all about pruning. God pruning the dead works of our lives off or pruning the things that we hold dear to sometimes so that we may search for him. But there's a key point about any pruning, and we have to remember these three key points. Is that pruning or is that hard time? Is it a hard time due to punishment? Because it, it does happen. God does discipline his children, those who we love. So we need to know our walk with Christ. Could this be an issue of punishment? We need to also understand is it an attack from the enemy? That can happen. Or, thirdly, if we know our walk with God and we know him, then we can start to see is this a time of pruning? And when we can recognize this hard time as a time of pruning, that's what changes us. That's where the gratitude comes in. That's where our joy comes in. And that's where we stand out in front of the world. But it's hard to know that. Um, I, I mentioned Diane, the thalidomide baby. David Gibbs probably gave this talk years ago. But who knows what God had planned for her, that people would be talking about her now. I look at the man in John 9, 1. He was born blind at birth. And the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned? And Jesus replies, it was not this man who sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. The works of God might be displayed in you. When there's healings done in your lives, that's the time the work of God is being displayed in you for to share the world, to magnify his greatness. I'm passionate about this because I've had my own story about this in my life. And it isn't really to talk to me about myself. It's to talk about the goodness of God. I leave this week on my ninth trip to Africa. The first trip was a tough trip. The hardest part is we had a pastor who really was after financial gain more than spiritual gain. And that became evident. And what became, that was hard. But then when I got back... The very next day, within 12 hours of being home, I went for a walk and I had difficulty even returning home, even an eighth of a mile. And I ended up um, being hospitalized in the ICU within three days. And within the fourth day, they transferred me to Fargo. I had Guillain-Barre syndrome. And it got so bad, I remember the day I got hospitalized, I was driving down the road and I realized my feet would no longer hit the brake. I had to take my whole foot in my heel to hit the brake. I could no longer use my hands to button my shirt, to squeeze toothpaste. I couldn't even put my hands in my pockets because I couldn't spread my fingers. And so everything I had was going away quickly from me. I went and served God, did what he wanted me to do, I thought. And within three days, I'm in ICU, and they're transferring me into Fargo the next day. Get on break and get to the point where you can no longer breathe, and they put you on a ventilator. That didn't happen to me. I thank God, but I I couldn't walk five feet without shaking. I couldn't take a step without falling down. And the reason I'm telling you this story isn't about me, it's about the pruning, what God did in my life with that. And number one, it taught me to trust in God's protection. And you say, Herb, you got sick. You weren't protected. I say, yes, I was. See, they think my illness was due to the flu shot. I got the flu shot a little early that year because I was going to be gone during that time. And a few weeks later, I was working, typing. My fingers didn't seem to be working. And I was just weaker on my left side. So I thought, you know, am I having a heart attack? Because it was weird. It was significant enough that I went to the doctor. Everything was fine. I went on a mission trip. There was no signs or symptoms, nothing. God held everything at bay. Everything at bay was held back. But the moment I returned, the moment my mission was done... That's when it struck me. And you could say, well, why did that strike you? That's not so great. If you'd been protected, that wouldn't have had to happen. But it had its benefits. Because before I went back, after that first year, I searched for God. I searched for him harder than ever. How can I serve you and then be unable to walk? But then when I could walk and leave that hospital, I had a miraculous healing, a very uncommonly fast healing. Within five days, I was out of that hospital. I know somebody else who got Guillain-Barre personally, and they were in the hospital almost two months. I had a, it took me a while to walk to full speed again, but I was walking again, so I thank him. But it was scary, and so I searched for God. And I remember that was the year when I was searching for him, that I received gifts gift of tongues, and the Holy Spirit became stronger in my life. I remember going over the plane the next time, and i kept reading john 15:2 every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it bear more fruit people thought i was nuts for going back cuz i got ill and the pastor mistreated me but i looked at that and thankful god he protected me while i was there and he brought me there and i'm ready to go again because i know he's with me and that's every time i go on a mission trip i think of that time and i go again and i and um and I guess what I forgot to mention is part of that benefit of that, it just humbled me. So I would never rely on my own strength again. I know I can't go on my own strength. I know I have to go with Him strength, his strength. And that's my whole pursuit when I go on a trip to take him with me, for him to lead me. I told you I prayed on that um, plane. Lord, help me bear fruit. We got to the end of the trip, or end of our day, just getting there. It was about 30-some hours, we were in a van, we were cramped, and I know I've said this before, but it was one of the most hallmark days of my life. I was packed with suitcases around me, I was hot, tired, thirsty, almost in tears because I was hurting so bad, and I thought, Lord, why am I here? And a presence came upon me that was so strong, all I can describe is like my insides just started to vibrate, and it just vibrated out from the inside out. There was no more pain, thirst, nothing. All I could do was smile. I remember at the dinner table that night, I was the quietest person because if I would have opened my mouth to speak, I think the tongues would have just flown out. It was just so full of joy. Oh, when and I smiled because I got this thing going on inside of me that I've never experienced to that level before. But that's what it is. It humbled me. So this bad guillain it had its goodness to me. Um, that was my second trip. The third trip, Gus went with me. It was an amazing trip. And uh, my sixth and seventh, and eighth trip, I actually went with a group called Global Health Outreach. And like I said, we pray with every person. We, we every person can shared the gospel, and we we tell them about that. And when I was preparing, the last time it's in 2018, I was going to speak to pastors. I really didn't realize at first how big it was going to be. There were 65 pastors at one spot and 30 at the other. And I spoke, you know, four half days. And as I was writing it, the Lord just kind of flipped a light to me. And he said, those troubles you had with the pastor who you couldn't trust. Actually, there are multiple pastors. And the troubles you had and the other places you visited, they were all to prepare you for this point. It was all pruning. And it took me eight years to understand that it was pruning. But I'm thankful now that I understand that. So in closing, I just ask that you remember Jesus' words in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that you may have peace in the world. That you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We need to just sit there and walk with that gratitude that he has overcome this world. Show gratitude for every little thing. I still am thankful for the mornings when I can go out for a walk because I had it all taken away from me. I still remember the days when I could hardly move my fingers. The gratitude that you have will foster humility. It will fight pride and sin. It will open your heart for forgiveness and generosity. And you will not be complained because the focus is not on what you don't have, but all that he has given you. And you will stand out in this world. You will live a testimony of trust to Jesus Christ. And you heed that he has overcome the world and that, this is, and that his, your life with him is not just in the far, far, far future. It's today and now. Thank you for your time.
2: Hallelujah. <clears throat> is Jill, Jill's here. Jill, would you come forward? I have one more instruction here from the Lord, I believe, before we go. And Herb, will have you come down here. I'm going to. Jill is really our missionary from Africa to us Oops. here. And uh, now we're sending forth. And let's all stand up and some of you please come and gather around. Let's, let's come over here. <clears throat> I'd like to just come up, some of you, and get us around here. Um, and I'm going to have uh, Jill, who's from Cameroon, Africa. We're going to have you lead in prayer here for her as Herb is heading for this Tanzania, Zambia, Zambia. You know it better than I do, Jill. So here you go. <laughs>
5: for your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Father, release yourself on your son today. Let that fire burn again, O Lord. Let the intensity increase. Release your presence, O Lord. I pray for intimacy, O oh God. Let his heart, let his mind, let both of them, O oh God, be focused on you. Father, we release that presence, O yeah. Let your voice be clear, O oh God, as he, go, as he goes. Let your voice be the only thing that he listens to, O oh God. Let the leading of your spirit, O God, be the only leading that he follows. Let your presence be the only presence that he allows in around him, O God. No matter the poverty, no matter the darkness, no matter the strength of the enemy that he encounters, because he yields to you, O God, your salvation follows in the name of Jesus. Father, let the light that he is shine brightly, O oh God. Let the darkness around him, O oh God, flee in the name of Jesus. And above everything, O oh God, let every man, every woman, every child, every old person, O oh God, that they will be ministering to, O oh God, let them see you and let them accept you in their lives in the name of Jesus. And Father, as help goes, O oh God, Remember his family, his son and daughter, oh God, his wife. Cover them with your presence, oh God. Let your power be with them, oh God. And even as they, wherever they will be, oh God, speak to them. Draw them closer to you, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And even the grandkids you are giving him, we bind them to you, oh Lord, in Jesus' name. He will serve you. And his family will be blessed and saved and protected in you in the name of Jesus. Let a new light for for, for Zambia come, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let there be a change that will bring forth in the name of Jesus. Shake the foundation of darkness in that place, O God. And let your your throne, O God, be established in the name of Jesus. Let your fire burn from north to south, from east to west, in the name of Jesus. Do a new thing, O oh Lord, and establish your, your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. And everyone in agreement said, Amen. And Z is for Zambia. Say that. Z is for Zambia. That's where he's going anybody would like prayer, please be free to come forward. Did you have something, Joy? Yes. We
5: well, thank you, Lord. Um, I need every strong man that's able to lift, help lift. The Welcome Center is able to be brought back in because there's carpeting there. And the coffee bar can now be set in place. Mark, if you could be there for sure because of that seam to guide that. Um Anyway, if you can meet us in the foyer, if we have enough men, oh, and two bookcases need to be moved, too. So we'll show you where it is. Thanks.